We actually did it on one of Brayman's bridge decks. Uh, it wasn't a terribly large bridge project, but we, we needed to go out and test the robot uh, in the real world. We took it down to the job and, and the robot tied the bridge deck um, in one afternoon and the guys got the data that they needed and they took it back to the shop. And early the next week, I got a call from my superintendent. He said, okay, we're, we're ready for the robot. <laughs> and I called Jeremy back and I said, Jeremy, uh, you know, they want the robot back down there. He's like, well, you know, we got all the data we need. I said, no, you don't understand. They want the robot back on the job. It saved them time. It saved them money. And we need to get it back down there. Welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Bernadette Ballantyne, and I've been reliably informed that when it comes to infrastructure and the built environment, the robots are not just coming, they're already here. Uh, its first project was uh, fall of last year um, on a, uh, a bridge deck in Pennsylvania. This is Steve Muck, Chairman and CEO of Brayman Construction and co-founder of Advanced Construction Robotics. My, uh, my background is really the heavy, heavy civil construction industry. Over the, uh, the last 10 years or so, we've seen uh, more challenges in, in finding people, uh, particularly people with uh, the right skills, and our productivities have begun to slip uh, as a company and as an industry. And so well, I've recognized that we need to do something to augment uh, our declining labor force and try to uh, improve our safety numbers uh, and our productivities. I came up with the concept of solving one of the really challenging uh, critical path labor conundrums in the bridge construction market, that being the uh, placement and tying of deck rebar. An expert on how to build things, Steve has a lot of ideas for improving productivity and safety on his projects. But what he needed was a partner. A partner who was an expert in robotics. My name is Jeremy Searock, um, and I am the co-founder of Advanced Construction Robotics, as well as uh, Tybot LLC. Their first project was development of a new kind of construction robot that would make bridge construction safer and faster. And our first example of that is called Tybot, uh, T-Y-B-O-T. Uh, Tybot is an autonomous rebar tying robot. So when you are building a, a bridge uh, in heavy civil bridge construction, um, one of the last parts is um, finishing the deck, right? So the reinforced concrete deck. Um, and when you do that, you lay out a reinforcing bar um, along uh, you know, across and down the bridge, and those create intersections, right? Rebar uh, sit on top of each other. And right now, all of that rebar uh, intersections need to be tied together with wire. Um, and currently, crews do that, where they spend weeks to months at a time bending over their back, straining to, to tie this rebar together. So we created a robot um, that can fit bridges between 10 to 140 feet wide, um, and uh, it uh, is able to tie all those intersections without uh, any uh, human uh, help. I asked Jeremy to describe Tybot, 
and he urges anyone who's interested to visit their website, Tybot LLC, where there's lots of images and videos to see. But essentially we have a uh, gantry system. Um, so we have these two big legs that ride on these rails. Um, these rails are already part of uh, bridge projects um, that are used for um, concrete finishing machines. And so it rides along this rail with a big gantry that, that spans the entire width of the bridge. Um, and then we have um, a little unit we call the tram that's in in the middle that is able to drive back and forth across this gantry and, and basically go um, along the width of the bridge. Um, and then we have a, a tying uh, device, tying module that is on uh, uh, the end of a uh, arm um, that is on this tram and uh, is able to go down and and tie uh, the intersections. Um, you know, this is, it's always important to point out that this is a autonomous robot, meaning it is, it is, it, it's artificial intelligence is more like a self-driving car than it is like a, um, industrial automation in, in, um, car factories. A robot that can tie steel might not seem like one of the most advanced developments to hit the construction industry in the past 100 years. And yet it is because Tybot is intelligent and autonomous. Unlike factory robots that transformed manufacturing, it doesn't need to be pre-programmed with a plan of the bridge and its rebar. The robot can take in data from its environment and decide for itself where it should tie the steel. When people say autonomous, what does that really mean? Key is that there's a sort of this this, this cycle of of uh, you know perception or seeing the world, uh, cognition, thinking about it and making a decision about what you see, and then then acting and doing something about it. And then that cycles back around where after you do something, you see what you did and then you think about it and do it again. And you have this complete cycle where the robot or the autonomous system is continuing to adjust as the world changes. This is different than, you know, traditional older style automation that you would see in, in factory sometimes where um, it doesn't actually see what's going on. Um, it, you know, it's told, you know, take this, this arm to this exact position and keep doing it again and again and again, which means that if the position of what you're touching moves, the robot is not able to adjust to it. So, you know, Tybot is, is the, the newer version where it is a closed cycle, uh, autonomous system. And, and we use, uh, you know, a stereo camera system to, to see what's going on. We're able to identify the reinforcing bar and the intersections, and we're able to know in our heads if we were to close our eyes or turn off the camera, we understand where those intersections are because we have a kind of a map of that um, inside of our head, and we're able to then, um, you know, act and um, decide where to go to next and place the the tying device at the right location again and again and again, and that continues on and on and on. So, you know, it's always a question that the construction companies have because it's, you know, it's truthfully hard for them to believe that this is real and that it's a product today that they can, they can, uh, you know, rent and lease um, for their projects, you know, right now. So the question is, once Tybot was ready and went out to tie its first deck, what did the guys on site think? Back to Steve. If we actually did it on one of Raymond's bridge decks, uh, it wasn't a terribly large bridge project, but we, we needed to go out and test the robot uh, in the real world. And we took it down to the job, and, and the robot tied the bridge deck 
um, in one afternoon and the guys got the data that they needed and they took it back to the shop and early the next week I got a call from my superintendent and he said okay we're, we're ready for the robot <laughs> and I called Jeremy back and I said Jeremy uh, you know they want the robot back down there he's like well you know we got all the data we need I said no you don't understand they want the robot back on the job it saved them time it saved them money and we need to get it back down there so we actually sent it back tie the top mat they're basically two rebar mats in a bridge deck a lower and an upper and the first uh first time it went out it tied the lower deck and and then you know the next week the construction team wanted it back to tie the top mat so that was really a great you know sort of proof of concept when you know the conservative construction guys that uh, that work with me call and say hey bring that thing back down here it did a great job tying rebar is a critical path activity on bridge construction meaning that it directly impacts on the schedule. A concrete reinforced bridge design carefully positions the steel rebar, providing tensile reinforcement to the bridge structure. And that has to be secured in the correct position with steel ties. Therefore, the people undertaking this work are under pressure to tie quickly. The men are working on um, an uneven surface, um, standing on either uh, deck pans, or girders or the first layer of rebar to tie the second layer, they're bent over for a prolonged period of time. And uh, in many cases, they're providing um, or they're performing repetitive um, motions with their hands and arms. So, you know, we get lower back issues, we get um, heat exhaustion type issues because the deck pans are radiating the heat back up at the men. Um, and then we get repetitive motion injuries uh, because of the actual act of uh, twisting the wire. So far, the projects that Tybot has worked on have demonstrated massive cost and time savings for construction crews who lease the machine. They can choose to replace manpower with the robot or supplement their crews with the machine. Steve broke down the savings for a typical large bridge project. And by that, we mean 1.4 kilometres long, 27 metres wide. So in essence... We're saying that the days in the schedule, if it was done with a conventional 20-person crew, would take 245 days. With 20 people plus Tybot, it only would take 155 days. And then he adds in daily savings rate for equipment, such as crane supporting bridge deck operations. And all of that added together comes to... Um, A million to a million three. It's not just site teams that are excited about robots. Investors are too. Later in this episode, we're going to hear from a robotics company which is seeking to transform the way that buildings are designed and built. Their initial public offering far exceeded their expectations. But before we do, it's time to meet little Eric. We've got little Eric, what does the pre-marking for us before we send the machines in to do the, the, the long lines, the edge lines, things like that. David Bailey's a contracts manager for one of the UK's leading road marking companies, WJ Group. In April, the company invested in little Eric, a £25,000 robot. Using string files in a DXF format, the satellite-guided robot marks out pre-markings for line-painting machines that are going to follow it. No, all it does, it goes down to spray the mark every metre. We usually set it in metre centres, and it just goes down the road marking the road for us, which is obviously a lot quicker than an engineer marking the site out. But how much faster? £25,000 is a major investment for a subcontractor. Well, if, 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 if a normal engineer was going to mark the site out, usually in a 10-hour shift, you'd mark, up, mark out about 1,000 metres of road at 10 metre centres. Now, the robot can do that 
can do that quite easily in about 20 minutes. So obviously the time saving is a lot quicker. I think obviously gets people off the road as well, which is a lot safer. For WJ, this means they in turn can be more productive. Like tying bridge rebar, marking out the road is a critical path activity. But the most important benefit of automation here is around safety. An engineer marking out sites has to walk along the road using a measuring wheel and an aerosol can, the same method that's been used for decades. In March this year, the UK's Health and Safety Executive reported its annual fatalities in the workplace statistics, and there were 144 deaths. Although this is one of the lowest rates in Europe, second only to Finland, just one fatality is one too many. Working on the highway is one of the riskier activities, with 26 of the 144 workplace deaths caused by people hit by moving vehicles. For WJ Group, little Eric isn't just safer and faster, he's also more accurate. Uh, we've used it on a number of sites now. We've used it on the M60, the M1, the M6, uh, and a couple of sites on the M6 now. Uh, the M1, it marked out three kilometres of fast lane edge in under two hours, and the engineers went over the site afterwards, rechecked it with their uh, theodolite, and it was w- within a five mil tolerance. This was far better than the required tolerance of 25 millimetres. Um, we also did a section on the M6 at junction 42. We marked out eight kilometres of surfacing works for the plane to go down and mark up for us. Uh, it, it, the robot did that in a little under three hours, eight, eight kilometres, where you think that'd take two engineers all week to mark that out. Everyone, whichever site we've used it on, everyone's completely blown away by it. They can't understand how it can do it so quickly and so accurately. Clients include major contractors such as Balfour Beatty, Colas, Costain and Galliford Tri. Although it's fair to say that customers have been impressed by Little Eric, it's not to say there isn't room for improvement. He's, he's good, but he, he does need somebody with him at all times. He's, he's got no, no sort of senses on him. So if there is a hole or something on site or there's a person on site or a vehicle, he will just drive straight into him because he, he doesn't realise it's there. He will just follow that string line down the road. But, but for speeding up things, uh, um, he is very good. Little Eric's made by a Danish company called Tiny Mobile Robots. And it seems that this part of Northern Europe is quite the innovation hub when it comes to robotic technology. Remember the company I mentioned earlier that's seeking to transform the way that buildings are designed and built? Well, its name is Odico Formwork Robotics, and it's carried out more than 250 projects with its advanced robotic technology, specifically robotic hot wire cutting. This summer, it listed on the NASDAQ First North Stock Exchange, and the results were dramatic. Co-founder and Chief Technology Officer Asbjörn Sunnegaard says that when the company began operations in 2012, it had one main objective, to change the way that buildings are designed today by enabling free-form fabrication through robotics. The impetus or the reason that we started looking into this was that we realised that there's a, a significant performance potential to be gained in architecture and design by, by realising more advanced structures and that there is not any sort of uh, cost-effective ways of doing that uh, today, or at least at the point when we started the company. Formwork is the temporary mould into which concrete's poured to create structural members required in construction. There's a range of solutions available today that have been designed for efficient modular construction, meaning that they usually consist of regular, repetitive elements made from standard materials such as timber, steel or aluminium. Aspion wanted to create robots that would enable designers to create more efficient structures regardless of geometry. We started in an academic research context to uh, identify uh, technology principles that could uh, change this picture. And we ended up uh, with uh, robotic wire cutting, robotic hot wire cutting. Robotic hot wire cutting uses a robotically controlled, digitally instructed, electrically heated wire to cut through industrial foams to make formwork 
that enables fabrication. Essentially, what uh, our technology looks like is that we have an industrial robot manipulator, which is uh, uh, the robot that you will find in your average car factory. Uh, and on that is mounted uh, some bespoke tools that we have uh, designed and developed. Importantly, it's uh, driven from a uh, software that takes an architectural CAD drawing or engineering CAD drawing and translate that into uh, robotic production motion. The project began with academic research, but Odico needed to prove that its technology was both cost-effective and needed in the construction industry. And then an interesting opportunity came along for Aspion to do both. Inquiry on, on, uh, on this project, uh, Kiak Capital, which is the headquarter of um, some of the uh, co-founders or family owners of the, the Lego uh, organisation. Better known in the UK as Lego. Aspion was invited to help create a building for the investment company owned by the family of Lego founder Ole Kirk Christiansen. And they wanted a structure that was far from conventional. It is essentially a building consisting of four cylindrical bodies of six stories height, which is uh, created in, in um, brick cladded concrete. So uh, this building is um, designed by an uh, international uh, installation artist called Olaf Oliasson. And uh, in, uh, it's particularly um, say unique about the project that, uh, that this is not the work of an architect, but rather this, uh, this artist. The Kirk Capital building in Weil, Denmark, is full of curved walls, irregular shapes, huge parabolic arches, hosting windows that on some levels run from floor to ceiling. The cylindrical formwork uh, is um, um, intersected or interspersed with uh, some uh, voids, uh, which is doubly ruled um, concrete walls. Uh, and there, uh, there's uh, approximately... Um, 40% of the cylindrical walls is perforated by these uh, these intersections here. And um, those were the challenging parts. You can say that cylindrical um, construction is uh, sort of part of the non-standard uh, but still uh, regularly used uh, type of formworks that you can have uh, for existing modules. Uh, but, the, um, uh, but the formwork needed for the... Uh, hyperbolic paraboloid openings, that um, is sort of the double rule geometry, that required some rather expensive solution in uh, CNC-produced timber. At this point, the contractor invited Odico to see whether its robotic hot wire cutting could compete with CNC-formed timber. The first thing was that we um, essentially were asked to demonstrate the capacity of the technology in a, in a one-to-one mock-up in which half of it would be uh, produced uh, using regular uh, CNC fabricated um, timber uh, scaffolding or formwork, and the other one would be robotic hot wire cut uh, EPS or expanded polystyrene formwork done by us. Um, and so in this, uh, this mock-up, uh, they found actually that the capacity of the EPS to withstand the casting pressure was um, better than that of the uh, timber formwork. And also that the precision that we could deliver with the wire cutting was uh, was ahead of what was shown in the other side of the mock-up. So in terms of quality, they saw that there was uh, on par or improvement uh, on, on, in terms of a regular formwork system. But then, of course, the price factor was uh, was significantly less using the wire cutting. So um, after having seen this, uh, they essentially gave us an, an, an entire 
uh, commissioned on uh, 4,200 square meters of unique homework, uh, which equates around uh, 130 truckloads uh, in, in sort of volume volume terms. I asked Asbjorn to expand on his contention that it was significantly cheaper. And he says the cost savings come from the time saving. I'd rather talk about the, uh, term, the, the efficiency in terms of machining time, because that's the most directly comparable uh, example. Um, so uh, in conventional manufacturing, you can say if we compare to uh, uh, CNC milled, uh, high quality uh, freeform surface, uh, that would take around uh, three to four hours in machining time. Um, and when we cut that with a wire, um, we are bringing that down to um, a few minutes. Uh, so uh, two to three minutes in, in, in comparable uh, cutting time. It can be up to 50% of cost reduction, uh, but it depends on the um, it depends on the application and the context. For irregular shaped buildings, the cost of bespoke formwork can be a major element. In fact, the buildability can constrain design. When you have these non-standard uh, formworks, then they can represent up to 60, even more, 60% of the total cost of the concrete project, the formwork itself. So uh, being able to reduce the cost of the formwork with half that has a, has a very significant potential for, for transforming that industry segment. Um, and so what uh, the Kirk Capital uh, was um, uh, enabling here was essentially to prove that point, um, both in terms of physical production, logistics and uh, financial viability. By proving that robotic hot wire cutting could be used to create load-bearing members for the first time on the Kirk Capital building, there was then a boom in demand for Odeco's new robot. That uh, drew uh, significant attention in the um, construction community and then uh, we... Um, had a very dramatic increase in the, in the inquiries uh, following that project. So subsequently, we have completed around 250, uh, 250 projects in, in larger and smaller scale. One of these was the Opticup project at the port of Aarhus in Denmark, which Aspion describes as topology-optimised form of concrete structure. Using the robotic hot wire cutter, formwork was created to engineer the 21-metre-long perforated skeletal concrete structure, which Asbjorn says would be too expensive to create using traditional methods. This project is a live demonstration of Odico's ultimate goal, enabling architects, designers and engineers to optimise structures by creating the most efficient designs in terms of material, topography and geometry, using non-standard shapes, which can reduce material consumption by up to 70%. In an age of carbon reduction and increasing automation, these are goals shared by many in the industry, including Odico's partners on the Opticup project, Aarhus Architectural School, concrete specialist Hycon, engineering company Soren Jensen and TU Delft University in the Netherlands. Doing such an advanced structure is in itself um, quite a complicated affair whether you use wire cutting or not. However, um, the project also um, showed the capacity for this um, cost-effective production of, of these advanced shapes and uh, specifically um, it laid the foundation for simplified concepts that can be applied in, in conventional concrete design. So essentially here we talk about parking spaces, um, infrastructure like um, uh, highway bridges and off-ramps and sort of the ordinary conventionally found concrete applications that could be optimized and then uh, at one side uh, achieve a sort of a structural 
or uh, structural articulation in the design, which many people find fascinating. And then on the other hand, you would have the, the reduction in the material consumption, which in itself is an important goal, uh, considering that today 8% of the global emissions uh, is actually from the production of concrete. And so that's four times the, the figure of, of what the global aviation industry is omitting every year. So, so that gives a sort of a, a significant incentive to, um, to reduce material consumption in concrete. Given the success of its first robot and the multitude of applications, Odico was taken public in July 2018. I asked Aspion what sort of reception the initial public offering for 30% of the company had from investors. Wildly beyond our expectations. <laughs> I think that summarizes it. Um, we received a very overwhelming interest from investors um, and uh, basically became a record holder of, uh, uh, of key financial metrics in terms of the companies that have been introduced on uh, NASDAQ First North, which is sort of an introductory trade organ for, for, for younger companies in Denmark. During the booking phase, where investors register interest, the request for shares was four times the volume offered. This pushed up the initial share offer value by 540%. We, we were attempting to raise uh, 30 million Danish crowns, so that would be around, I think... Uh, this is £3.6 million. Pounds. We had a request uh, of a figure which was four times that uh, that figure. And then, uh, of course, then because it was in a pre-booking phase and the price of the stocks are fixed, then we could only offer a quarter of, uh, what do you call it, the requested stocks to, to the uh, to the investors. And that meant that subsequently there was a big push of the uh, of the stock price upwards. For Odico and robotics companies like Advanced Construction Robotics, the robots they've announced so far are the first step in a development plan that they believe will revolutionise construction, which by any indicators is ready for a digital revolution. Odico's next step, for example, is a two-year project introducing a concept called Factory on the Fly, where the robotic hot wire cutter can be purchased by contractors and shipped to site in 10-foot shipping containers, providing on-site manufacturing facilities. This includes development of the software too, which enables automation of parametric workflows, essentially meaning that the parametric design for elements from walls to staircases can be sent to the factory using a tablet by contractors who don't need robotics experience. Back in the UK too, architect Mamu Mani also thinks that design is ripe for robotic disruption and is also bringing factory methods to site. At their studio in Hackney, East London, the team seeking to expand the abilities of its tower-building cable robot, the Polybot, to enable it to carry out a range of functions. The Polybot started out as a pick-and-place robot that would build a tower using cameras to enable it to reposition blocks that were not placed in the pre-programmed location. This ability to self-correct is described as machine learning at the margins. And Polybot was celebrated as the winner of Consultant Arab's annual DNA of Making competition in December 2017. Today, this digitally advanced architectural practice, led by Arthur Mamumani, wants to push the boundaries even further. I went to see them and spoke to Ping Chan Chen, senior computational designer and architect who leads robotic research at Mamumani. The, ro- uh, the machine we are looking at is uh, is a cable robot called Polybot, and this robot is a construction um, robot that can help architects and designer to construct unique structure. Can you explain how it works? So basically, this robot has um, eight cables uh, and attached to four corner winches. So. 
so you can set it set this robot up um, at any place you want so basically how it works is you attach the winch boxes at any place you like and you will form the build uh, a building space for the robot and robot can conduct the task given uh, within the defined area and and exactly what would you expect the robot to do um, well actually the robot can can do more than what we what we think yeah um, at the moment we use it as a pick and place machine to um, place to, to pick tim timber blocks and then and then create a timber tower from from that uh, but um, we also think about um, making it as a 3D uh, printer, so that can print large-scale uh, structure with a material like uh, concrete. In the past, we understand robots are pre-programmable, simple machines that do repetitive actions. Can you tell me how this moves that technology forward? What we want to bring this machine forward is to allow it to have a kind of machine learning capability. But what we want to do with the robot is to basically just, you know, kind of um, uh, work with ro robot. They designed to work with robot directly to maybe place the robot to test some like design configuration and maybe it can be successful successfully built or it might fail but that doesn't matter because the robot will recall all these actions and return the data to designer and those data can be used to basically reconfigure or to e re e evaluate whatever design that hasn't been tested yet. Yeah. yeah, so the machine is not only about carrying out activities successfully, it's about learning from every possible iteration. Yes, that's correct, yes. And what's ultimately, I've heard you talk about a universal construction robot. Yes. Is, the, is the clue in the name Polybot, is that, is yes. that what, is Pol this machine going to become a universal construction machine? Yeah, exactly. Um, that is our end. Um, you will come slowly. So basically, at the moment, we use it as kind of single purpose machine, like um, other digital fabrication machine, 3D printer. Uh, machine. All these machines can ultimately be turned into a universal machine because they are basically just a special uh, positioning machine, right? So, um, so the the challenge is how can we merge different construction process um, together? How can you um, start with let's say start with pick and place uh, position to uh, when you have a material supply? How can you um, place those materials at the right place before you go to another position that's say maybe milling okay you can sculpt the, the material to the ship you want and then you start to form another um, basically construction um, blocks uh, for larger maybe assembly uh, process so what we want is to, to basically integrate all sort of um, construction uh, procedure we have um, in you know like real construction site before we leave the object to the place you actually have to do all sort of uh, things to to the, the building block so we want all these kind of tasks to be done by the machine um, so we can actually bring the factory to the site the polybots on display as part of the Code Builder exhibition at the Sir John Soane's Museum in London until the 3rd of February 2019.
Unlike the factories and facilities that drove automation in manufacturing sectors since the late 1970s, construction is not a sector making thousands or even millions of identical units that can simply be reproduced by pre-programmable robots. To digitise, construction needed a data revolution in order to create intelligent robots that can learn from their environment and translate complex designs into simple structures. That data revolution is here, and so are the robots. From accelerating workflows to making sites safer, the implications for construction are vast. But there's many challenges too. Investment costs are simply too high for some smaller companies who deliver work on behalf of Tier 1 contractors. But like any industry, there comes a tipping point where benefits outweigh costs. We may not be there yet, but robots are proving their worth and the industry is starting to appreciate the advantages. are expecting a, a very dramatic disruption of the construction sector within uh, a very, uh, let's say, a relatively short, uh, short horizon where robotic manufacturing will become, so to say, everyday technology that is on the construction side. So, I mean, we, we firmly believe that within a 10-year horizon, we will see a very significant change in, in uh, the, that robots are commonly used in, in construction sites. 15, 20 years, the picture will be maybe uh, entirely unrecognizable from today's construction site. Engineering Matters is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by Bernadette Ballantyne. Additional research by Rian Owen. Mixing and editing by John Young. Theme tune by JM Sounds. Find out more about us online at reby.media.